Let's join the worship center at Life Church, where the service is already in progress. Glad that you've come to worship the King. Last week we started a message that we didn't finish. We got about halfway through. And so we're going to go the rest of the way today and finish it out. We're talking about going ready, anticipating, being excited, not just, not just living through life on autopilot and life happening to you, but you on purpose happening to life, anticipating, expecting, being ready, hoping, waiting, and waiting is not a lazy term. Waiting is an active thing. Waiting is a, an active part of the Christian life. That you wait with hope and expectancy that God will do His Word and that you will do what you're supposed to do while you're waiting. Because waiting is active. There's a part for us to play in the waiting. We are to be expectant. We are to hope. We are to line our life up with the Bible. And like I said earlier, when we line our life up with the Bible, then we'll be in that place that God has for us. God said, there is a place by me. And we got to get in it. And by getting in it, that's how we line ourselves up. Because, you know, the place doesn't fluctuate. The place isn't relative. It's not wherever we want it to be. It's not wherever we want to be. It's where He is and where He wants to be. And He said, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. I do not change. There's a place by me. You're going to have to come to me and line up with me and get in line with me and line your life up with me and do what I say to do instead of what you want to do. God wants us to be ready. He wants to be watchful. He wants us to be waiting, anticipating and hoping. Psalm 62, 5 says, My soul wait only on God and silently submit unto Him for my hope my expectation are from Him. And remember we talked about last week how you can't just wait on anybody because people will get you all messed up. Amen. If you're waiting on people to do stuff, sometimes you'll be waiting a long time. Amen. Have you ever known someone that they, they just never really quite got follow through? They had a good talk. They said a lot of good stuff. They committed themselves by word, but the follow-through just stunk. Amen. Have you ever known someone like that? You can't depend on them. You can't trust them to be a person of their word. Because you know that even though they may have really good intentions, they don't have a plan at all on doing what they said they would do. We can't wait upon people. Waiting on people will get us out of alignment with God's will and God's place and God's purpose. It'll get us outside of that place by Him. It'll get us outside of that secret place of the Most High. We can't wait on people. We can't wait for people to, oh, if, if this person would just do this, then, then I could finally have joy. The reason my joy is always... Gone is because this person over here is not doing what they're supposed to be doing. I would say that the reason that our joy is gone is because we want to be gone. Why? Because the Bible says that, that we should rejoice always. 
And that rejoicing and joy is a choice. And Nehemiah 8.10 says that's where our strength comes from. So we need to be happy, expectant, excited people. Because that's how we get our strength. That's how, we, that's how we're able to endure. It's through joy. Don't wait on people. Waiting on people will get you all messed up. It's great to have people help you. But you can't wait on people. Because trying to move somebody that don't want to be moved is just about impossible. I mean, when one of my little fur babies crawls up on my lap and they don't want to go anywhere, you got to physically move them and then two seconds later, Boomer will be back up in your lap with his little tongue hanging out, looking special. <laughs> you can't wait for people. Sometimes you just got to get up and make a move. I move towards God. Wait only on God. Don't wait for the right circumstance. Why? Because circumstances aren't always going to be in your favor. You can't wait on circumstances of life to line up. You've got to choose to obey God now, no matter what the circumstances say. Well, if, if I can just get past this, then the, if I could just get past these deals right here, then I could be a giver like the Bible says to be. If I could just get past this week, this week is so busy at work, then I could be a person that studies the <laughs> Word of God. If I could just get past this situation, then I could really do what God told me to do. There's always going to be a situation. We're always going to have some kind of issue that we got to work through. We can't wait on circumstances to line up. We got to line up anyway. Do you remember when, when you were a kid and you were playing and the teacher would say, okay, line up, we're going inside. We're going inside now. And you heard her say, line up. You knew the instruction was to fall in line, but man, the monkey bars were calling you name. <laughs> you just thought you had to do one more swing on them. And you saw somebody over there on the merry-go-round, back when the merry-go-rounds were allowed in playgrounds. Now they're outlawed because they're too dangerous. I don't know how anybody ever survived growing up. <laughs> you saw some kids on the merry-go-round. And you saw some kids on the seesaw, those projectile objects that flew kids across the playground. I'm telling you, it's a wonder we made it. But you heard the instruction to fall in line. But all oh, those monkey bars were calling you now. Oh, you just thought you had to swing. And you saw people around. Well, they're not getting in line. Well, Susie's still on the merry-go-round. That means I can get on her monkey bars. And, and Fred's over there on the seesaw. And, and, and Jimmy's jumping up on it and throwing him across the playground. I got time to get on the monkey bars. There's, five, there's people over here playing. I got time. But the instructor said, Follow in line. It's time to go inside. It's time to get back <laughs> to study and learn. It's not time to play. It's time to go in. 
so good. I got plenty of time. We can't get distracted by all the good-looking things in life. Because even though those monkey bars look real, real good, if you jump on them, you're liable to break your arm. And even though you saw Fred and Billy and Susie all playing on the merry-go-round and the seesaw, it's kind of like your mama always told you, if everybody jumped off a bridge, where are you going to go next? We don't live our life based on circumstances and people. We live our life and wait only upon God and His Word. And in that waiting, it says silently submit to Him. So, by falling in line, we are showing God that, hey, this isn't about me and I realize that. Life isn't about me and I realize that. It's not about what I want because what I want is monkey bars and merry-go-rounds and seesaws. But that's not what God wants at the time. He said fall in line. I've got something for you to do. You need to be willing to wait on God and not get distracted by all the good-looking things of life. It's so easy to get distracted in the day that we live in. I mean, I can open up what I heard me call one time my little electronic leash, and I can find all kinds of things that will distract me. I mean, you just open up the Facebook and you could be there for four hours. <laughs> and before you know it, the whole day is blown. Now, I'm not saying everybody go home and delete your Facebook account. But I am saying that we need to watch what we let have our attention. Watch what we give our time and our t attention to. Is it something that lines up with the Word of God? Is it something that helps us fall in line? Or is it something that helps us go play on the monkey bars a little bit longer? And only give our attention to those things that help us to fall in line. That help us to line up with His Word. That help us to submit to Him. Not every good thing is a God. And we can get caught up in doing so many good things that we forget the main thing. God wants us to wait in anticipation, to wait in expectancy. And that won't happen if we divert our attention to everything over here. We need to be single-minded. Does the word say a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways? You can't be looking over here and looking at God at the same time. You're going to crash into something. Poor little Bonnie. My little monster. That's another one of the fur babies, the newest addition to the family. And we were playing with her the other day and playing with all the puppies. And Josh and I so excited. They were running laps up and down that, you know, that big, long expanse in the where the kitchen and the den and the dining room and all that is, he had them doing laps up and down, up and down. They were so excited. They were so excited. And Bonnie was looking back at me and running towards Josh 
and she, her head plowed into the side of the door frame. And she just looked around like, oh my goodness, what had happened? <laughs> and she was just, she was just like, oh, she was stunned. We were stunned. She got distracted looking behind her. She was worried she was missing something that was behind her. And she couldn't stay focused on what was ahead. If we're not careful, we won't focus in on anticipation from God and expectation and hope and waiting on Him and lining up with Him. And we will think we're missing something back there. We'll be like the children of Israel that think we're missing those leeks and garlic soup. You know? And we'll turn around to see, well, maybe I can get a glimpse of, of what was because there were some good days back there. In this waiting, in this anticipation, in this hope, it's a forward motion. It's a forward motion. And if we're going to move forward, we can't do it looking behind because we're going to plow into something. And then we're going to be stunned. And we're going to go, what had happened? I don't know why. I'm moving forward. But we're stuck on something back there. When Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed and Lot and his wife were saved, what was the instruction that the angel said? Take off running forward and don't Look back. But Lot's wife got distracted. She started thinking about how things used to be. The good times she had in those cities. The friends that she had in those cities. The, the, the old days. You know, you hear people saying, oh, I don't want to go back to the old days. I don't know about you, but I like an indoor bathroom. And yes, I am old enough that I have used an outdoor one overseas. Um, not that you want to know any of that this morning, so we'll move forward. But Lot's wife got distracted and went back. And the Bible says she was trying to pour herself. You can't move forward looking back. You can't wait in expectation and hope and put your trust in God if you think something better is back there. <clears throat> this anticipation, this hope, this expectancy is an all-in thing. Wait on God. Don't wait on people. Don't wait on circumstances. Don't get that if syndrome. If this will happen, then I'll be okay. If that'll happen, then I'll be good. If I could just get this, then, then I wouldn't have to worry about that. And if only, and if only, and if only. If may never happen. But what surely will happen is the Word of God. Because God said, my words will not return unto me void. It will accomplish what I sent it to do. So if we line our life up based on the Word of God, based on submission to Him and His Word, then we will be in that secret place in the Most High. We will be in that place by God. We will be protected and sheltered in the dangers and the things to come as we live out the last book of the Bible. We need to be expectant and hopeful 
and realize that that hope is only found in him. Not in ourselves, not in a circumstance, and not in somebody else. That expectation, that hope, that joy. Only comes from him. What's that old song? This joy that I have, the world didn't give to me. This joy that I have, the world didn't give to me. This joy that I have, the world didn't give to me. The world didn't give it and the world can't take it away. We must have our joy, our hope, our expectation in Christ. And last week we talked about some things that we need to be expecting. And we got started and we started digging into this. And we talked about how we should be expectant in worship. And how we should walk in ready to be in the presence of God. Walk in ready. Walk in with the expectation. Not have to be drugged into it, but looking forward to it. Why? Because God didn't want us living out obligation. If we worship just because we think we have to, God gets no enjoyment out of it. Have you ever had somebody do something for you and you knew that they were doing it just because they had to? It wasn't nothing about they wanted to. They were, it was, you just knew that they just felt obligated and you felt bad for them doing it. You were like, because what you're thinking in your mind, look, you didn't want to do this, why'd you do it anyway? Because it doesn't give you satisfaction. It doesn't give you joy. It doesn't make you happy. To see somebody just do something because they have to. Well, God's the same way. When we come to worship Him, if He knows that you're just doing it because you feel like you're punching a clock and doing your good Jesus deed for the week by showing up to church, He doesn't get any enjoyment out of that. We need to be ready for worship. We need to be excited about it. God's not just looking for us to punch a clock and pop one more ticket in our Jesus to-do list for the week. He wants us to worship Him because we have a heart to. Because we have a mind to. Because we have a will to. Because we want to. And we carve out time for Him. We talked about how we need to be ready to talk to God. God longs for us to talk to Him. He wants communication with us. He wants us to talk to Him and then He wants time to talk back. Have you ever been with somebody on the phone and they were just and you were like, and you're like, and they drew a breath and you tried to say, and then they just kept going and kept going and kept going and kept going. And you said, well, I'm just going to sit here and wait for them to say bye. And you're over here eating fried eggs, checking on the kids, not paying a lick of attention because they just, and you're looking around going, Many times we come to God like that when we pray. We're like, God this and God that, God this and God that, and God's like, but but I want I want to talk to you. Just wait a second. Breathe, my fasty chihuahua. I want to say something to you. When we talk to God, we need to make sure that we anticipate listening. That we anticipate that God might actually want to say something back. That we anticipate 
that God wants to speak to us. The very creator of the universe who set the stars in order, uh, made the constellations, set the planets where they are, uh, made the grass, made the birds. He wants to talk to you. He wants a conversation. Well, God ain't got time for me. He's got all these crazy people he's got with him. No, he's got time for you. We need to create time for him and anticipate that God wants to talk because he does. And if we're going to do, 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 then God's finally like this with the song going, uh huh. Yeah. Mm hmm. Okay. See you tomorrow. Have a great day. We need to create space for God. He longs for communication with us. John 10 27, that. That sheep that are my own, they hear and they're listening to my voice and I know them and they follow me. Job 33, 14, for God does not reveal, God does reveal his will. He speaks not only once but more than once. Even though men don't regard it, including you, Job. God is looking for us to regard his word. He's talking. Are we listening? He's speaking over and over and over his will. Are we anticipating that there's a conversation coming that we need to listen to? And we talked about last week, Proverbs 2, 1 through 5. My son, if you'll receive my words and treasure up my commandments within you, making your ear attentive to skillful and godly wisdom, inclining and directing your heart and mind to understand and applying all your powers to the quest for it. Yes, you cry out for insight. And you raise your voice wanting understanding. <coughs> if you seek wisdom as for silver and search for skillful, godly wisdom as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the reverent and worshipful fear and admiration of the Lord and find knowledge of our mission God. What does it start with? It starts with receiving His words and treasuring His commandments. That's how we get wisdom. That's the beginning of wisdom. Receiving the word of God and treasuring His commandments within us. Making our ears attentive to godly wisdom. Not any old kind of wisdom, because everybody will throw in their two cents whether you want them to or not. Everybody's got two cents and they pitch them in frequently. But those are not the cents we need to be listening to. They don't make any sense. The only thing that makes sense is the God kind of sense. <laughs> Give your ear to godly wisdom only. <laughs> Inclining and directing your heart and mind to understanding and applying it with everything that's within you. You remember when you were first dating someone? Oh, you wanted to hear every single word that they had to say. You was listening. That ear was open. And you were hanging off of every word. You were leaning in. Well, when God speaks, do we lean in? 
or do we treat God like an old nagging wife? No, I already heard that one, Scott. Oh, I already heard that one, Scott. Oh, no, no, no. And we start tuning it out. God wants us listening to his every word. He wants us attending to godly wisdom, directing our heart to it, and applying it and questing after it. And it comes by receiving his word and treasuring his commands. John 8, 4, whoever is of God listens to God. Well, isn't that a thing? If you're of God, you listen to it. If you're of the United States, you listen to the United States government, the powers that be that are in control. And if they tell you to go 70 on the on the interstate, you don't go 96. And if you do, there's somebody there to flash their little lights at you and tell you you're doing bad. Whatever we call home, whatever place we say that we are of, we give attention and an ear to it. You are of your parents. And if you have parents like my parents, you gave attention. <laughs> and you listened <coughs> when they spoke. Because you knew what would happen if you didn't listen and heed instruction. Whoever is of God listens to God. Those who belong to God hear the words of God. This is the reason that you don't listen to me. Because you don't belong to God. Whoa, Jesus is talking some stout stuff here. And you're not of God or in harmony with him. So what is he doing? He's reprimanding these people. Because, and letting them know, listen, if you're not paying attention to my words... If you're not heeding my commands, if you're not doing the things that I say, then you're obviously not of the household of the faith. Because whoever is of God listens to God, and whoever belongs to God hears the words of God. And this is why you're not paying attention to me, because you're not of me. We don't need to look at correction as a bad thing. You know, many times we think of God and we talk about this on Tuesday, I believe. That some people view God as some big, you know, some big mean thing in the sky ready to zap you with a lightning bolt every single time that you, you mess it up. He's just, he's just looking for you to mess up and looking for you to make a mistake and so he can write it down in his little book and hit you over the head with a lot God is our father. What did your daddy do when you weren't listening? Why did he do it? Because he Because he wants better for you in the way that you're acting. I don't know if your daddy ever told you this, but mine always said, 
Now, I can honestly count probably on one hand the number of times I got spanked, but I got and they were memorable, and that's why I can only count on one hand the number of times. Now, God, because they ingrained in my brain. And if you don't believe me, you can ask my mom a story of how she conquered me at a revival one night before I was even conscious. But somewhere in my subconscious, I knew things could get really bad in a hurry if I didn't heed. But my daddy would always say, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. And I would always think, no, it's not. You're not on the receiving end of this thing. You're not getting it. You're just trying to say that to make me feel better, but it's going to feel the same whether you say that or not. But even though I don't have kids of my own right now, I have a school and I know when you have to punish a child. It's not because you're trying to be mean to them or rude to them. It's not because you're trying to make their life a misery. I told the boy this week, I said, listen, I am not trying to get you. I am not trying to harm you. I am not trying to just see how horrible I can make your life. But I promise you, if you don't do this schoolwork, you're coming to school on Friday, even though no other kid is coming. And you're going to be sitting by my warm side all day. We're going to do some school work. <laughs> and believe me, it's going to hurt me a whole lot more than it's going to hurt him. Because I'm going to have to be sitting there on Friday. But God is a loving Father. And when he shows us where we're wrong and he corrects us and he brings to our attention where we have missed the mark and where we have sinned and where we have strayed from his commands, it's not with the intention of, oh, look, I found you doing wrong. I'm going to write it down in my little book right now. Although he does keep a record of what we do. That's scripture. And one day we will give an account for every single thing we do, whether it be good or evil. That's also scripture. And because God loves us, and because he is just, we will stand before God. And if we choose not to live for him, there is a place for us, and it is not by him. It's in the lake of fire. That's why he brings correction to us. Because he loves us so much that he doesn't want us to go down that path. It's like if you ever had a kid that you could see was just heading down the wrong way, and you knew ten steps ahead of where they were walking, what was going to be happening, and you were doing everything in your power to bring some kind of instruction, to bring correction, to bring discipline, because you knew that if they kept walking in this line, if they kept on veering away from your commands, if they kept on going on their own way and not worried about doing things your way, you could see where their life was headed and what was going to happen. So you didn't bring correction because you hated them. You didn't bring correction because you were trying to get at them and you just wanted to make their life a living misery. You brought correction to them because you loved them and you wanted your best for them and you wanted to give them more than what you had growing up and you wanted to do everything that you could so that they would be so successful and reach their fullest potential that God had given them. So when God tells us, because you're not listening to me, you're not of me. Well, we think, oh, well, God loves everybody. Well, yes, he does. And he brings correction to us because he loves us. 
voice. When we listen to God, many times correction comes. And then we get mad because we get corrected. Because I don't know about you, but I don't like to be told that I have done something wrong. Because I tend to think that I try to do things pretty good. No. I didn't mean for that to sound the way it sounded. But you get my drift. And if you take your halo off, you think you do things good too. And you like the way that you do things, and you like it the way that you like it. And you don't like anybody telling you not to do it the way that you like it. But here comes God as a loving Father saying, Hey, the way you've been doing things, they're wrong. I know you had good intentions. I know you meant well. But that was wrong. You need to change. He disciplines us. And when he speaks, he disciplines us because he loves us. And he wants his best for us. And he wants to bless us. It's like, again, when you have kids, you want to give them the ice cream. You want to give them a toy. But if they miss the hay, you've got to take the toy away. And you can't give them ice cream. I mean, you already got the ice cream in the freezer. You're ready to load it up in a cone and send them outside with it because it's going to mess your house up. You want to bless them. You want to give them good. You want to do right, but they've got to line up with the commands because you have to be a person of your word. And God's the same way. He wants to bless us. He wants to do good for us. But we've got to fall in line with his commands or he can't because we're not acting like his kid. We're acting like a heathen. Ezekiel 3.10, Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, all my words that I speak to you, receive in your heart and hear with your ears. Revelation 3.22, He who is able to hear, let him listen and heed what the Holy Spirit says to the churches. Proverbs 22.17-19, Listen, consent, and submit to the words of the life. Apply your mind to my knowledge, for it will be pleasant if you keep them in your mind believing. You want it to go well with you? Apply what you hear from God to your life. Then it goes well with you. Your lips will be accustomed to confessing them. You speak the word so that your trust and belief and reliance and your support may be in the Lord. I've made known these things to you today, even to you. So yes, even to you. God is speaking even to you. But you don't know what I've done in the past. Well, it doesn't matter, even to you. Be ready to listen. Be ready to do. Revelation 3, 20 through 21. Those who I dearly and tenderly love, I tell them their faults. I convict them. I, I reprove and chasten. I discipline and instruct them. So be enthusiastic about it. Be excited when God speaks correction to us. Why? Because he's treating us like his kid. If he didn't love us, he wouldn't tell us we'd do wrong. He'd say, oh, go do what you want to do. I'm tired of it. That's another thing you told your kids growing up. And I tell the kids at school, listen, I'm telling you this because I love you. If I didn't care about you, I'd just let you act however you want to act. Do whatever you want to do and just say, okay. We know where you're going. 
but he loves us. So he instructs us, he chastens us, he convicts us. So be enthusiastic and in earnest and burning with zeal and repent, changing your mind and your attitude. Behold, I stand at your door and I'm knocking. If anyone hears and listens and heeds my voice and takes action on it and opens the door, I will come in to him. I will eat with him and he will eat with me. God is standing at our door knocking this morning, giving us his word of repentance and correction and conviction. Be enthusiastic about it. Have zeal. Change your heart and mind and your attitude. And if we really change our heart and mind and our attitude, our actions will follow that change. It's not just a head change, it's a heart change that leads to a direction change. When we repent, we do a 180, we completely change direction and go forward. We don't have to do this alone. We can be excited because we have help. John 14, 26, the comforter, the counselor, the helper, the intercessor, the advocate, the strengthener, the standby, the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Who the Father will send in my name and in my place to represent me and act on my behalf. He will teach you all things. He'll cause you to recall and remind you of and bring to your remembrance every single word that I've told you. So, when we get those gut feelings from the Holy Spirit, when we feel the leading of the Holy Spirit, when we feel like He's speaking to us, it will always line up with the Word of God because He will cause us to recall the words that Jesus told us. He will cause us to recall the words that God spoke. Proverbs 10, 17, he who heeds instruction and direction is not only himself in the way of life, but also a way of life for others. He who neglects or refuses reproof not only himself goes astray, but also causes error and is a path to ruin for others. Have you ever thought about that? If you and I don't listen to God and line up our life with it, then people are following us. People don't just follow the preacher. People follow the other people. And what you do matters. What I do matters. We are leaving a trail and people are following us. Your kids are following you. Your people at work are looking at you. People are following you. That's why it's so important that we get the word of God on the inside of us and we learn his commands because it doesn't, it doesn't only affect our life, but it affects all those around us. Correction and instruction is not only a way of life for you, but it's a way of life for everybody around you. Because even though the Bible says don't follow people, we naturally do it. And we got to unfollow people on purpose. It's like Facebook. You got to go in there and click unfollow. I don't want to follow you anymore. There are some things we need to unfollow. Some paths that we're walking down that we need to unfollow. Some people that surround us that we need to unfollow. 
and start following His command, His will, His way. Why? Because it doesn't just affect you. I'm responsible for what I get up here and say to you. And one day I'll stand before God and I will have to give an account for every single thing that I told you. And if I'm telling you wrong, if I'm telling you things that aren't in the Word of God, I'm responsible for it before God. But that's not only on me, that's on you too. Everybody in this room will give an account for what they've done or didn't do for God. And we will stand before God. And what we do will affect others. Our influence will affect whether somebody stands before God to give a good or bad report one day. That's why we've got to be careful what we learn and make sure that it lines up with the Word of God. And we don't get carried off in tradition of man because the tradition of man makes the Word of God no effect. Colossians 2, 7 through 8. Having your roots and your being firmly, deeply planted in Him, fixed in Him, founded on Him, being built up in Him, becoming increasingly more confirmed and established in faith, just as you were taught, and abounding and overflowing in it with thanksgiving. See to it that no one carries you off or spoils you or makes you captive with his so called philosophy, intellectualism, and fantasy. Idle fancies and plain nonsense. Following human tradition and man's ideas rather than the spiritual world and God's ideas. Crude notions following it, rudimentary and elementary teachings of the universe and disregarding the teachings of Christ the Messiah. Why? Because Hosea 4 6 and my people are destroyed by lack of knowledge. What you don't know will hurt. That's why we've got to study to show ourselves a prayer. You know, for the longest time, we didn't know that tobacco would kill us. And so people went along smoking and smoking and smoking and didn't know that they were steadily hurting their lungs. For the longest time, we didn't know that preservatives in our food would kill us. For the longest time, people was canning and putting chemicals here and there and everywhere. And still do it. And I still buy canned stuff. So I'm not up here, you know, trying to tell you don't buy any canned food, although I'm trying not to these days. You know, the first person that found out about radiation died. They were destroyed for a lack of knowledge. What we don't know will hurt us and will cause us to go in a direction in our life that God has called us to. That's why we must get knowledge and understanding of the Word of God. The verse goes on to say, Because you, as a priestly nation, have rejected my knowledge, I will reject you and shall be no priest to me. Seeing you forgotten, Lord your God, I will forget your children. We're destroyed for a lack of knowledge. But remember, God loves us. Amen. And he wants his very dead level best for us. Amen. And the way that we get God's best is by getting knowledge of the word of God. And getting in that secret place. 
and hiding in that place by him. We got to be excited about serving God. So not only excited about listening to God, paying attention to him, doing what he says, but excited about serving. James 1, 22-27. Be doers of the word. Obey the message. Don't merely just listen to it, betraying yourselves into deception by reason contrary to the truth. For if anyone only listens to the word without obeying it and being a doer, it's like a man who looks at his own face in the mirror. He thoughtfully observes himself and then goes off and forgets what he was like. But he who looks carefully into the faultless law, the law of liberty, and is faithful to it and preserves it in looking into it, being not a heedless listener who forgets, but an active doer who obeys, shall be blessed in his doing, his life of obedience. If anyone thinks of himself to be religious and does not bridle his tongue, he deludes his own heart. This person's religious service is worthless. External religious worship. This is what we were talking about earlier. Worshiping out of obligation. Doing it as a religious act. That is pure and unblemished in the sight of God is this. So what is God saying? Don't do it out of obligation. If you're going to worship me, this is what it looks like. Visit and help care for the orphans and widows in their affliction and and keep yourself unspotted and uncontaminated from the world. So go out and do good to those in need. Go take care of the widows and orphans. Go take care of those who can't care for themselves. That's what worship looks like. That's what living to make God look good looks like. And stay unspotted and uncontaminated by the world. Get your hazmat suit on and go out there and do something for God. Galatians 5, 13 through 14. By the way, that's the the the, uh, the armor of God. Put your armor on and go out and do something for God. We'll we'll read one more and then we'll go ahead and, and close it up for today. Look look down at Matthew twenty, twenty six through twenty eight. Not so shall it be among you, but whoever wishes to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you must be your slave, just as the Son of Man came not to be waited on, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for me, the price paid to set them free. So what do we do? We follow the pattern of Jesus. Jesus expected good things to happen wherever he go went. He expected to be worshiping God wherever he went. He expected to be lining up his life with God. He expected to be listening to the Father. What did he say? He said, I only do what I hear from the Father. I only do what my Father does. I only say what my Father says. Just as the Son of Man came not to be labeled, but came to serve others. We should be expecting and hopeful and looking forward to the things of God. Be excited about it and submit to God. Wait only on Him. Why? Because our hope, our expectation, our way forward comes from Him. Amen. Let's see. God, we thank you for the opportunity to love you and serve you and to go forward with you. God, help us not to be like Lot's wife, looking back and hanging on to the past. Thank you for joining us today. We would love to hear from you. You can write to us at Post Office Box 1004. That's P.O. Box 1004, Monticello, Arkansas, 71657. 
Or you can email us at lci.monticello at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. You can also check out our website. It's www.getlife.co. That's www.getlife.co. There you can find Pastor Kelly and Pastor Josh's sermon notes, and you can see what's going on all through the week at Life Church. We would love to have you in one of our services with us. Join us Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. for our worship service. Pastor Kelly ministers, and it's a great time in the presence of God. Or you can join us for Digging Deep on Tuesday nights at 6.30 p.m. Pastor Josh digs into the Word of God, connecting the Old Testament with the New Testament and giving us a fresh biblical perspective from God's point of view. We hope that you have a great week this week. Remember, go live to make God look good. God bless you till we're with you again.